مرحبا أنا كارين أبو جودة أنا سارة رسلان وأنا ميس عمران Welcome to Al-Umuma Today, we're storytelling, birth storytelling We bring you the raw birth experiences of mamas all around the Middle East We're shedding light on what really goes on in the delivery room Or even in the hallways Join us in today's episode on learning the true meaning of a warrior This is Mira, and here is her birth story. So my son was my first pregnancy, uh, and my pregnancy went, uh, thank God, extremely smooth. Uh, I had zero uh, nausea, any kinds of symptoms. All my tests were were very good. Um, throughout my pregnancy, I thought, um, wow, if this is how my pregnancy is going, I must have you know really good delivery coming up. Uh, and so just some background on what I used to think about uh, giving birth. Um, I used to have very intense menstrual cr- cramps as a teenager. And if you ask any of my close friends, even to this day, they will remember and tell you that I never took any paid meds because I used to tell them that I was preparing for my future, which was a natural birth without an epidural. <laughs> Boy, was I dumb. <laughs> Uh, I went in for my checkup on my due date and my doctor had informed me that the head is not engaged and I'm not dilated and my cervix was not effaced. Um, So effaced is obviously the cervix stretching to get thinner, uh, which is what needs to happen when you are going to give birth. Uh, So I slowly was coming terms with the idea that I may not have the whole water breaking scenario, feel any Braxton Hicks, which is usually felt in the third trimester by some women. So no false labor pains, none of the indications that your body knows what it's going to do and is about to give birth. So six days post my due date, I get a call in the evening uh, by the hospital that I need to come in for an induction. Uh, Obviously, um, nearly one week post my due date, uh, my placenta was going to start deteriorating and no longer be a healthy environment for my child. So I went in, bags packed, ready to go. Um, I was placed in a bed. It was 12.30 a.m. Everything was connected, and I thought, here goes, whatever is going to happen, no epidural. (laughs) And my inducing meds were administered. By 2 a.m., I started getting extremely sharp pains, so my dilation was checked. Um, And checking your dilation, I mean, no one prepares you for that. It's like it's like a whole nother world of placing one's arm into your, into your area. Um, I was dilated one centimeter, which was strange for such long and strong contractions. So I thought I'd just walk it out and just deal with it, breathe, walk. So I was still very hopeful, you know. Another few hours went by and I was like enduring the same kinds of pains. But then they came and told me I was two centimeters dilated. The on-call doctor tried to physically strip my cervix and break my water. Uh, It's not a pleasant experience at all. So that was done. And I thought, okay, so now she's done what she needs to do. So obviously my body will do what it needs to do. 24 hours had passed and I reached four centimeters and I was begging for the epidural. Everything I wanted or had planned was thrown out the window. The doctor mentioned that I should just jump to 10 centimeters very soon and start pushing before I know it. So they were giving me still a lot of hope. I think she was literally just being hopeful to keep my, my, I don't know, my morale up. Uh, 
either way, I told my husband to sleep that night on the couch in my room. And I sent my mom home for a good night's sleep because I thought before we know it, I'm going to be pushing. <laughs> that night was the worst night. Um, I didn't get to close my eyes even for a minute. Uh, the baby's heart rate was dropping and so was mine. Uh, the midwife kept coming in at night and helping me change positions to help the baby. And the most um, comfortable or good position for the baby was to be on my knees for hours and hours. Uh, while everyone was sleeping, I still didn't want to wake them up. Uh, I was literally just on my knees on my bed uh, because that's the only thing that kept the baby's heart rate, heart rate uh, at a good pace. Uh, I remember her telling me that this is happening because the baby's trying to push out and obviously hitting a brick wall, thanks to my uh, clueless cervix. And I thought, okay, if the baby's pushing, then maybe my cervix has dilated and this is finally working, it's going to happen. Hell no. <laughs> At 5 a.m., I was now dilated three centimeters. <laughs> yes, my cervix was irritated swollen and seemed to feel that it has done enough for 30 plus hours and was closing for business. I would say that saying I was exhausted would be like a huge understatement. I was extremely deteriorated. At 8 a.m., so nearly 30 hours of labor, I had four doctors in my room who all signed off on my emergency C-section. They woke up my husband, dressed him into his little surgery safety gear. And in a matter of minutes, I was bare naked and prepped for surgery. Uh, and at this stage is when I realized, shit, I'm going to have to endure both labor recoveries. 38 minutes later, my healthy, beautiful boy was, gone, was, was born. And uh, yeah, <laughs> it was extremely relieving for it to be over. Uh, nothing like I would have wanted or expected. So I know that what I went through was not the norm. Uh, my doctors called it labor dystocia, which is like arrest of dilation. Uh, and so my body was somewhat sensitive to the labor inducing meds and uh, obviously didn't react like it should. Obviously, days later, when I was recovered and I could walk out, the midwife told me many, many, many years ago, you would have been a woman who would not have survived childbirth. So. So it really made me appreciate the modern time I'm living in. I think the first few days with my newborn are extremely foggy, but I was on meds and recovering. Uh, recovery was so tough. I was like always asleep. And obviously I was producing milk and breastfeeding. And my days consisted of my husband placing my son on me just to breastfeed him. Then he'd change him and put him to sleep. And him and my mom were really my superheroes uh, in the first week. You definitely feel extremely overwhelmed and disappointed for your body failing you. But I think stepping back from it, you realize that all that matters is that your baby is, is born and is born healthy and you are healthy and you are able to recover from anything because the body is an amazing, amazing thing. And just trust, trust your doctors, I guess, because they know what they're doing. This is Astrid, and here's her birth story. Okay, so my husband and I are actually planning on trying for our second little one. And I'm not going to lie, one of the reasons I've waited so long is because I am not looking forward to the birth again. So my birth was a bit of comedy of errors. <laughs> so I decided to do, um, to get a doula 
which is someone kind of like a midwife that comes helps you during your birthing process and helps you kind of really achieve the kind of birth that you want. And then I decided to do an in water birth. Um, so that was the plan. <laughs> and honestly, it just kind of all went out the window. So I, my, 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 my birth was incredibly fast. So I think my water broke around four or five o'clock in the morning. Um, I, I didn't feel anything else. So I just went back to sleep <laughs> kind of two, three hours later, my husband's like, okay, I think we should take you to the hospital. Just, just to get check. I always come back if it's not time. So we went to the hospital for some reason with the idea, thinking that we would come back. <laughs> but then once we got to the hospital, my labor progressed really quickly. So I personally was not prepared for the level of pain that I experienced. And obviously I, I don't want to scare other moms, but I found, I, I found the contractions once they expedited extremely painful. Um, but I was pretty stubborn in the fact that I did not want the epidural and I wanted to go in the water. Now, this is where a few things went a, a little bit wrong. Um, you're supposed to get into the warm bathtub about, well, basically when they say you can't withstand the pain anymore. And unfortunately, when I reached that point, the midwife had not plugged the water to the tub. So it was empty. So I got into a tub that was pretty much empty. It was just honestly. I was just slipping and sliding everywhere and it was just it was not pretty it was not working if anything it was just it was actually stressing me out because the tub was supposed to be full of warm water and that was supposed to be my pain relief and it was actually just empty and then another thing that went wrong uh, one of the things one of the options to give you for pain relief is kind of the gas <laughs> so when they put the the gas um, on my face, I, I felt like I couldn't breathe. And it turned out they hadn't opened the valve. <laughs> so I couldn't breathe. So I think it's really important to have someone, whether it's your husband or just a very strong advocate in the room that's looking out for you. Because I think when, when things can turn to go wrong, um, someone that's just really by your side is really important. So I was, I was really thankful that my husband was there. But what I intended to be a water birth, it ended up just, I, I literally ended up giving birth on the floor. I know it sounds crazy, but I, I basically got out of the tub because it was just stressing me out and it wasn't helping. And then the plan was to get back to the bed. I didn't make it to the bed. I was like, I can't walk. I'm in too much pain. <laughs> and I remember at that point, um, they're like, it's too not too late for the epidural. And I was so stubborn. I was like, I've come this far. I'm going to get it done. <laughs> but I remember thinking, I just, I just wanted to get him out. I'm like, I just want him out. I was like, I cannot push any longer. I just want this to be over. But so, so, so my birth ended up being literally spread eagle on a mat on the floor, like very kind of, I don't know. I imagine this is how it's done, like in the villages or 500 years ago. <laughs> and I just remember this huge, huge sense of overwhelming relief being like, thank God that is over. <laughs> and and he came. I, I'm try, I don't even remember if he cried. I don't think so. I remember they put him on. He they put they put my son, my baby, on me. And I, mean, I, I think I was just so tired to really think too much about the moment. But I was just so relieved that the whole process was over. And I remember they put him on my chest um, to try to get him to kind of suckle. Um, and that moment was just. I think it was just finally at peace. It was like all the hard work was for the most part done. I was pretty exhausted. Um, well, at least I thought it was done. <laughs> what they don't tell you is that even when the baby's out, you still have to make sure the placenta comes out. So 
I mean, it's like the last thing you want to do, but you're already exhausted. And then you get back on the stirrups and the chair and you're just in this room, your legs are wide open. (laughs) But at this point, I think you're just so used to the process that you don't really care anymore, but um, they have to make sure the placenta comes out. And I think sometimes they give you an injection to um, get you to contract to make sure to push all push all the remaining components out. So I, I did not expect that. I wasn't sure that was going to happen. And I remember, I think she just pulled the umbilical cord and like everything came out. I was like, Oh God. And then, and then the other thing that happened that I wasn't expecting, I did have a little bit of a tear and was bleeding. So then on top of after making sure the placenta and everything's out, they do come in and stitch you up. So I just, when you think it's over, I can kind of keep going. So <laughs> I feel like my birth was a bit of a comedy of errors. I didn't go as planned. I found it harder than I was expecting. Um, but then I think your, your mind just kind of makes you forget and you enjoy like all the magical moments of holding your little baby It's having this huge sense of accomplishment. But I think my takeaway and hopefully it hasn't scared moms is but just to you know do do research on both sides of the coin because I think research can be very biased or one-sided and really choose to do what's what's right for you I think um you know if we get pregnant again I will have a very different approach on birth plan I am a hundred percent taking the epidural for me the pain was a little bit too much um so I want to avoid that this time and, um, you know, 100%, it's important for me to have kind of my advocate or my husband in the room who kind of, you know, knows me, knows my body, knows what to look out for. I think that's really important. And, um, yeah, and just just know that whatever your plan is, it can completely go out the window. Uh, <laughs> but that's okay. You just have to adapt and, and you'll be able to get through it. And in terms of kind of post-pregnancy, uh, the one thing that was a lot more than what I had read was the post-pregnancy bleeding. So I, I thought I was going to get these kind of um, absorbent period, seam, coop, seamless period underwears. And no, like you, you bleed quite a lot. You basically have to wear a diaper. <laughs> so that wasn't fun. I guess going to the bathroom, that's another one that people don't really tell you. Um, it's hard to hold in your pee. I mean, the whole area is just really sore. And then, yeah, especially number two. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable to go to the bathroom number two for the next couple of weeks. Um, honestly, whatever help you can get, my advice would be to take the help, delegate, because, um, yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's hard. And, and, and be easy on yourself. I think, um, especially for first-time moms, you, you want to get everything right. You want to... You, you want to breastfeed, you want to do everything. And um, I think the most important thing to remember is that happy mom means happy baby. <laughs> and, um, and yeah, I think that would be advice to don't, don't stress perfection so much. Just try to go with the flow, try to enjoy the time and be a little less hard on yourself because it's hard enough. This is Sandra and here is her birth story. So thank you very much for having me. Um, I think one of the main things I want to share about my birth story is just how far from what I expected it to be um, it was, actually. So it was uh, very far from what I had imagined it to be. And I think that that's something that we aren't really told much as women. Um, so I, I went in without actually much of a birth plan just because I sort of had an expectation that it wasn't going to go exactly as I had planned it, but I didn't realize that it would literally be like the entire opposite of, um, what I had planned or 
I had an idea of, um, let's say. So I actually started having uh, contractions about two days before I delivered. Um, so I thought that they were Braxton Hicks um, and they started to be Braxton Hicks, but then they actually turned into pre-labor. So I was in labor for a good day and a half, almost two days. Um, so that was really rough. Um, and I actually went to the hospital twice because of how bad my, lab my uh, contractions were, but um, they told me to go back home both times. Um, so that was really frustrating because I was in so much pain and all they told me to do was just go home, um, take a bath, rest. Um, if you really need to, you can take some Panadol, which I didn't really want to do. Um, and of course, because I was in so much pain, I got no sleep throughout the whole night. And, um, and then finally the third, like the second day I was, um, dilated, but I was only dilated about four centimeters. Um, and I was rushed to the hospital and then they were like, okay, fine, we can finally admit you. Um, by then I was in excruciating pain. So there was no question that I wanted the epidural, even though I had in the back of my mind told myself that, you know, you can, you can try it naturally, or you should try it naturally. Um, but really like the amount of pain that you're in, it's not really worth being a hero in my opinion. Um, it's just like, I just wanted to get through it as fast as I could. Um, and I was so exhausted. So they actually recommended that I did uh, an epidural just because from how tired I was, and I was just not going to be able to push as hard if I didn't get some sleep. So once I got the epidural, first of all, the epidural, taking an epidural was already so scary just because, um, of course, a massive needle going into your spine is never really an appealing thought. Um, so I was extremely uh, nervous. I was actually shivering before I got the epidural just from how nervous I was. And my husband had to literally pin me down because they told me you can't move a muscle um, because obviously that, that, that could cause uh, issues in the spine. So uh, like, thankfully it went well and it worked instantly. And I was actually really scared that it wouldn't work because I've heard of friends of mine whose epidurals didn't work and they were in labor for like really, really, really long hours. And I'm so thankful mine did and you'll know why at the end. But um, basically I fell asleep instantly after the epidural. I was um, so tired. I slept for about five hours and I woke up. And when I woke up, I was seven centimeters dilated. Um, so I was really relaxed. I was really enjoying everything. And then finally, about two hours later, I was ready to start pushing. I was 10 centimeters and they told me, okay, you're ready to start pushing. My doctor was nowhere in sight. Um, she didn't come actually until the baby was almost out. And that was something that was really, that really made me angry. And um, because she came rushing into the door um, and I, it was like in a panic and every, she made me panic. Um, so the midwife actually delivered me, delivered my baby halfway. Um, and I was struggling to push because I was in a very awkward position. I couldn't get, I couldn't 
breathe properly because my daughter's legs were lodged in between my ribs. So I actually couldn't take a deep breath. And every time I pushed, she kicked up into my ribs. And actually for weeks after I delivered, I had really bad bruising internally. And um, it was really, really painful for several weeks after I delivered. So I couldn't actually take a deep breath. And every time I tried to take a deep breath, I couldn't push hard enough. So when the doctor came in a panic, she obviously made me panic. So I was not breathing properly and I wasn't pushing hard enough. And um, it kind of went downhill from there because uh, the baby got stuck. And then she actually ended up like semi-threatening me <laughs> in the middle of me delivering my baby because she told me that if you aren't going to push hard enough now, I'm going to have to do an emergency C-section because I can't get the baby out. So I started pushing really, really hard. Obviously, I panicked because I really didn't want a C-section. And uh, they tried the, um, I forget what it's called. It's like the suction, not the forceps, but the suction cup, uh, which was something that I really didn't want to use, but they used it anyways. Um, that didn't work. And then finally the final step was she had to do an episiotomy. And that was something that I was told by so many people that I know, like, do not do an episiotomy, do not do an episiotomy. It's terrible. It's painful. Like it's better to just tear naturally and it'll heal faster. So I came into that, into labor with this idea in my mind that doing an episiotomy was the worst thing ever. And so when she told me, I'm going to have to cut you, that just sent me in like a spiral of panic um, because I really didn't want that. But at the same time, the baby was stuck and her head couldn't come out. So she uh, calmed me down and she's like, listen, if I don't do this, your baby's not coming out and I have to get her out ASAP because her heart rate started um, going really high and she was panicking. So I think the worst moment for me was that last moment, uh, the last five minutes of like literally sheer panic because I was pushing for 45 minutes with no success. And, um, and then finally that like snip at the end was just the worst like sound. And it was also so much tension and stress had built up that I actually started, I lost it in that moment and I just lost all like I was bawling my eyes out I was uncontrollably hyperventilating um and I felt like I had been violated almost and it was the strangest feeling of like thank god my baby's safe but at the same time I felt like I had been butchered <laughs> as terrible as that sounds but it's really what I felt and I just could not stop crying and I had the most painful three weeks after that. I couldn't sit down. Um, I couldn't walk. Uh, I couldn't pee properly. <laughs> um, but obviously, light at the end of the tunnel, my baby came out perfectly safe. Thank God. Um, but it is something that what I want to share is that I don't think anyone ever prepares you for the raw emotion that you feel during that time and how much you feel and it's okay to feel like you've I, for lack of a better term violated like your body just feels like it's been through so much that um you instantly just feel like you're not yourself and I think that that leads to a whole chapter the whole chapter of postpartum after that just 
for me anyways, personally started at that moment. And I just instantly felt like what the hell happened to me. Um, and as much as I was happy and as much as I was obviously elated that, you know, I have this beautiful baby girl, I still felt just terrible. Like I, I, I just felt terrible. Um, and it was obviously the emotions and the pressure to breastfeed after that. And just the whole drama of my, not my doctor, not being there. Um, I wasn't getting the right support and the guidance that I needed when I was delivering. Um, and I just kept telling myself like, it could have been this way. It could have been this way. But at the end, I just had everything to be thankful for. So yeah, that's my birth story. And, um, I hope that women definitely start to share their real and raw true stories because really no one prepares you for this. No one is prepared fully and you don't really understand any of it until you go through it. But I think we can definitely help normalize these emotions and not romanticize labor as much as it is romanticized because it's really not all rainbows and butterflies. And yeah, I, uh, that's my story. This is Dima, and here is her birth story. So uh, I was actually at full term, 40 weeks, and um, I started feeling contractions around like 10 p.m. or 9 p.m. So I told my husband, I think we should go to the hospital. Um, I went to the hospital, and they told me to go back home. It's still going to be... Um, going to be a long uh, time before anything really happens so I went home I showered and then I remember that she told me that I have to count in between contractions and uh, it was like really close together and I was feeling pain but it wasn't like crazy pain and my water didn't break at that point at all like it was I was still there was pain but it was okay so just in case it's my first baby um we went back to the hospital, I think it was around midnight at that point. And uh, she, the, the nurse uh, actually let me get in, uh, like we, they put me in the labor room and they put the monitors and all that stuff. And uh, my uh, contractions were really close together, but nothing was really happening yet. So then they, they popped, uh, you know, they broke my water basically. And then they decided to give me the epidural I got the epidural and uh, four hours after receiving the epidural, um, I, was, I, was, I dilated until seven centimeters, if I remember correctly. Um, but then it stopped after seven centimeters. And uh, it's just, it was, the, the, the pain was really bad after that. So the positioning of his head was tilted more towards the shoulder. So he he wasn't in line with the birth canal. So he was pushing from like his feet were kicking me almost underneath like where my, my the breast area. So above like the rib cage kind of, uh, he was kicking really, really hard. And so that's why the epidural wasn't working for me. Um, and I was in hours, hours of like experiencing this kind of pain. Um, so then the doctor came in, um, for like a third or fourth time and she felt underneath and she told us basically that, um, your, the baby's head is slightly swollen, um, not too much, 
but she would recommend that we go in for an emergency C-section. Um, so basically in my family, no one has ever had a C-section. So it was like new territory. Um, so everyone was kind of freaking out and I was in too much pain to even think about anything. I was just basically telling the doctor, just get this baby out. And, um, so we went to, uh, the surgery room. They had to give me a spinal tap. Um, and then she started with the, with the surgery um, the, my son came out very healthy, 4.1 kilos, super tall, um, and long basically, which is the reason why I was in so much pain because he had really long legs. Um, so he was healthy, alhamdulillah. Um, but after that, um, what happened was I developed uterine hypotonia which is basically when my uterus basically stopped contracting. Um, so the doctor had to manually massage and um, keep uh, giving medication, injecting medication into my uterus until um, it finally started to contract. And then she had to uh, close me up, you know, the, the usual of a C-section. Um, yeah, so during the surgery as well, I had lost a lot of blood. Uh, the doctors didn't really mention that to us um, until later on, which I'll explain later on what happened. Um, so the next day in the hospital, I complained of bloating and pain, which is very normal with any C-section. So they gave me medicine and um, it helped a bit, uh, but, but the pain was, it was just really bad, really bad. Um, but they said, just keep like, just maintain what you're doing now and hopefully by tomorrow you'll feel better. So tomorrow came and uh, it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't. My, my tummy had expanded as if I was like, again, like 20 months pregnant. Like I can't explain to you how huge my stomach was um, with no baby inside. Don't forget. Um, so the doctor was a little bit concerned. So she had me go down for a ultrasound and x-ray. And uh, they basic, she basically diagnosed me with paralytic ileus. I think I'm pronouncing that right, um, syndrome, which is an intestinal blockage. Um, it, basically, there's no actual physical obstruction but this, base, this happens when the nerves and the muscles um, uh, in my um, intestines and, and stomach stop working. So uh, they sent me to the, the ICU and they gave me uh, this specific medicine that basically forces my bowels to work. I can't even tell you about this medicine. Uh, it, it, was, it was a disaster. They basically had me with a bed pen, uh, pan underneath uh, my bum and they gave me the medicine and a side effect of this medicine is paralysis in, in a way. So my sister, my sister's a, a pharmacist, a PharmD. So she basically told me exactly what I was going to feel. And thank God that she was with me. She told me that you're going to feel like you're choking because technically you can't use your tongue to swallow your saliva. So every time you feel like you're having too much saliva in your mouth, just spit it out. And there was like a little pad in front of my, my mouth that she was holding. So 
I just continued to spit out saliva. It, it was just such a horrible experience. And at the same time, my bowels were like, like taking everything was coming out. It, it was a disaster, super embarrassing, might I say. But anyway, so they gave me they gave me that medicine and um, it worked. Uh, my bowel started moving. And so I started feeling a bit better. And then uh, they took my uh, they, uh, my blood to check my hemoglobin. And it was super, super low. So I had to get a blood transfusion. And I started feeling much better after that. And uh, the day after that, I was uh, able to, to go back home. But I also wanted to mention that, uh, so basically, my son couldn't latch um, while breastfeeding. So I was pumping the majority of the time. And I had, I had a lot of milk, like I was, I was like a cow. It, it was crazy. It was it was amazing how much milk I produced. Um, and I was pumping the entire time. Um, but the problem with pumping is the more you pump, the more milk you get. So along the way, um, some ducts started getting um, in, uh, infected. Uh, and I formed abscesses in my uh, one was in my uh, the first one was in my armpit and the doctor had to uh, nick it with a blade and then had to obviously all of the the pus or the the, the stuff that's in the abscess had to drain out so I basically had a hole in my armpit it, it was it was really disgusting to be honest um, I had to treat it and it was painful and so that happened and then like a week later or two weeks later, I got another one um, uh, on my breast. These are all from the outside uh, of my, on, on top of my skin. Um, so we had to drain that one as well. Uh, and then the doctor was like, listen, if you keep pumping your milk, your, your body just forms these abscesses. So I would suggest you take the pill to stop your milk. Um, so I agreed just because it just, it wasn't, it didn't make sense anymore. Uh, too much was, uh, was happening. Um, so I took the pill and, uh, three weeks later I get like my nipple looks kind of deformed. And so I show my sister and I'm like, is this normal? Like, what, why is, why does my nipple look like this? It's, it's like weird. So she's like, oh, my God, Dima, you need to go and have that checked immediately because she immediately assumed that it was another abscess. Uh, but it, this time it was inside my body, uh, which means like the doctor can't nick it and have it uh, drain. So um, I went to the doctor and she did the ultrasound. And obviously uh, my sister was correct. It was another abscess. But I had to have a surgery this time to remove the abscess. So the doctor had asked me if I had taken anything to stop the, the milk production. And I told her, yeah, I took, I took a pill. The doctor had, my, my gyno had given, given me the pill to, to take. And she said, did you take one or two? And I said, no, only one. She only prescribed one. So she said that I should have taken two pills because the milk never stopped producing. And because I wasn't releasing the milk from my body, um, it, it got uh, infected again, and this is why it happened all over again for you. 
So, yeah, so uh, I had to go for the surgery and uh, they removed uh, that abscess and the, the surgeon was like, uh, thank God you came in for the surgery because underneath that abscess, we found four other abscesses deeper within your, within your breast. So he had removed those as well and um, closed me up and that was it. I had to, I had taken that second pill of the, to stop the milk and uh, I was done after that. <laughs> so, so yeah, so uh, even uh, the whole uh, after birth was, uh, was complicated for me as well, but uh, Alhamdulillah, my baby was super healthy and growing and uh, yeah, Alhamdulillah. So that's basically my story for my first child. This is Rana, and here is her birth story. It was six years ago when I heard my had my first child, Katya, she was a little girl. Um, I was um, I was so big in my pregnancy towards in the last trimester, and I guess because Katya was such a big baby. So at 38 weeks, that's when I thought I was going into labor. At around four o'clock in the morning, I wake up my husband and I, I'm convinced that I am into labor and I tell him I'm in labor. So I call the doctor and the doctor is like, okay, how are you feeling? Are you feeling contractions? Now, mind you, given that it's my first pregnancy, I have no idea what is and how does a contraction feel? So I'm thinking, yeah, 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 I'm having, I think I'm having contractions. She's like, I think... She's like, okay, come to the clinic first thing in the morning. I go to the clinic. My doctor checks me and she looks at me with that face and says, you're nowhere near. I'm like, but my water broke. And she's like, no, it didn't. You probably just peed on yourself, which probably was the case. Anyway, so she's like, go home. And I'm like, but I feel something. And she's like, no, you are dilated, but it's only about two and a half centimeters, maybe three. Go home, come back in the evening if you feel contractions. I'm like, sure. We go home. And now I started having real contractions. But in my head, I'm thinking, but the doctor said it's not going to happen till maybe tonight or tomorrow morning. And that's just a couple of hours away. And I'm thinking now, it's probably just now I'm thinking I have contractions, but I don't. Turns out I was actually contracting and I just kind of dismissed it towards the end when it really got tough, like seriously tough. And I thought, that's it. I can't take the pain anymore. We go to the maternity ward and my doctor shows up and she checks me and she says, okay, you're kind of ready. Yep. You're seven meters, seven centimeters dilated. She's like, okay, um, do you want to take your epidural now? I was like, yes, fuck yes. While we're waiting for the guy to give me the epidural, I took some airing gas, whatever they call it. So I kind of got high. So I was just laughing and joking. And I was like to my husband, get me a mirror. Let me check my face. You know, now I'm in like kind of in a daze, right? Eventually he gives me the epidural. I was already about seven centimeters wide. The nurse kept coming back and forth, checking on me with the doctor. And I was like, what's going on, doctor? Why am I not pushing? And the doctor's like, I don't know. For some reason, your cervix is not opening. It's just kind of it froze. It stopped. And I'm like, okay, so what do we do? And she's like, we keep waiting. So she gave me something to help me dilate more and it just wouldn't happen. And then, you know, but hours later, we're talking hours. I'm Now it's night and it's almost dawn. And I'm like, what's going on? I'm like, I'm, I'm really tired here. And they had to give me another dose of epidural. And she's like, your, your cervix, instead of opening, is swelling. 
I'm like swelling. Like, can you give me something? I mean, what do I do? And then I fell asleep. I think I must have fallen asleep hearing the monitor of the baby heartbeat because they put those monitor. And I just fell asleep on that sound, that sound. And then somehow something woke me up. And when I woke up, I saw the nurse walking in at the same time. And I just woke up and somehow I felt a little panic for no reason at all. And in that second that I, this happened, a nurse walks in and she's like, let me check you again. So she checks me and she just looks at me with a panic face, runs like crazy. Doctor runs back in like crazy. And she's like, okay, Rana, look at me in the eyes. You got to push. Do you understand? You got to push right now as hard and as strong as possible. And I'm like, okay, okay, I just, okay, what's going on? My husband was sleeping on the sofa and he just runs up and he's like, what's going on? He holds my hand and he's like, okay, Rana, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. I'm like, what's going on? And the doctor's like, we got no time to waste. You got to push. The baby's almost up. And I'm like, ah. I push, although I'm feeling nothing, okay? Now, remember, I'm on total painkillers and total numb. So I'm just pushing. And it was just two seconds of, or two minutes of pushing. It wasn't long. She pulls the baby out and just screams, pediatricians, doctors, and they take the baby away from me. Baby's pulled away from me, put on the um, emergency tube for oxygen and they're just like giving her oxygen and I'm screaming what's going on my husband's yet he turned pale and he's like holding me so tight with his hand that like my hand started hurting and then the doctor and then we didn't hear a cry right and the doctor is sewing me down there and I'm looking at her all I see is like her hand going up and down like you're sewing a dress up and I'm like what the f is going on where is my baby why am I here and then we hear a cry and once we heard the cry the doctor looks at me and she smiled and she says now everything is okay and then they bring the baby to me and man she was freaking fat and big and huge she looked like a sumo wrestler I was like what is this lump <laughs> I was like, what happened anyway so it was a bittersweet kind of delivery in a nutshell um, what happened is the um, cervix was not widening up to open for delivery enough. And we, even with the medication, and it seemed that the baby was stuck in the canal for a few minutes. I pushed her out in the last, last, last second of life. If I was just a little bit lazier in the pushing, I would have probably, God forbid, have lost her. Uh, it was really a matter of, it was a very thin line from life and death. And I didn't know it. What I would say, the motto of the story is, no matter how much you feel that, you know, you are going to look online or on YouTube, especially with your first child afterwards, you know, after that, maybe you could be a bit more experienced, I would say. But with the first child, really be prepared for the most unprepared Anyway, so then after that, yeah, it was it was sweet. It wasn't all bitter. My my sumo wrestler baby was in my arms, uh, breastfeeding, um, smiling, and she was healthy. And now we have a perfect six-year-old girl, and all is good. So that's my bittersweet birth story. This is Vera, 
And here is her birth story. Hi, everybody. Um, I have three kids. The first child, Adam, it was a vaginal delivery. And we finally reached the hospital somewhere around 10 in the morning. And when I arrived, I, had, I thought I have it all under control, thinking that all will go smooth. Um, contraction started really, really hard at some point. And uh, I had to... I had to push, the doctor came in, but nothing was happened. I had the epidural, by the way, which was given to me very, very late. Um, so I went through the pain of the first contraction and I felt the intensity and I can feel it in my brain going high. Um, the doctor came, we start pushing after like maybe five hours since we arrived at the hospital and um, the baby was not coming out because the head was too big and I wasn't dilated enough apparently so they had to use this kiwi procedure and um, on a final push I managed to take Adam out um, when he came out, I was amazed, obviously, but in the same time, I thought that my baby is ugly. Why is it so purple? Why is it so blue? Why is it so wrinkled? Why is it so, so, so? Uh, but I was happy that he's healthy. I was happy that he's breathing. I was happy that I was able to do this. Um, for, plus, with the Kiwi experience, uh, with the vacuuming experience, uh, his head was more like a triangle than a roundish head. Um, so again, I was surprised, surprised of the aspect of my child. I was like, oh, ooh, that's, that's a baby? This is how a baby is supposed to look like? <laughs> and now he's the most beautiful baby in the world. But at that point, I was really worried for a couple of seconds. <laughs> I can say that the recovery was not really smooth. I had a couple of stitches because of the tearing. Then with my twins, because I have twins, um, the delivery was on the opposite spectrum. I had a cesarean, um, but I was planning to deliver normally. And to be honest, it was um, when I reached uh, the hospital planning to deliver normally. I was informed that in general with twins it's not so easy to deliver uh, vaginal but if the first baby is head down you can do that. So my baby was head down I was having my hopes on. Then uh, when I reached to the hospital everything was okay and after a couple of hours of contraction and moving and battling um, they told me that they cannot um, I cannot have a normal delivery because one of the baby turned and instead of the head um, we have um, her arm so the thought of not being able to be there for my child because I cannot go out of the bed or because I will not recover on time, uh, plus the thought of having an operation, because let's be honest, it's, a, it's an operation, um, was terrifying. Um, I was shaking. I was panicking. I lost my ability to control my body. I don't know if it was the 
the delivery itself or the, the mental shock that I had. Uh, but I had to go through it. So I had the C-section and uh, the babies came out. One of the girls needed um, uh, proper care in the NICU. And um, the other girl um, was with me. The recovery of the C-section was the kids will give you this amazing power that you never knew that you had in you. They will make you move mountains. They will make you go out of your bed after one day with stitches, with blood, with everything, just because you want to go and see your child in the NICU. I had two deliveries, uh, one vaginal and one cesarean. And I can honestly say that even if there are two different deliveries, I felt the same way when I had the kids in my arms. But if I have to do it again, guess what? I will go for cesarean. <laughs> um, because I didn't stay eight hours pushing a full baby out of me. Um, everything was scheduled. Um, the doctors were amazing. Um, I didn't felt anything, but with the the birth, it was like oh, push nonstop, and the pain that you have in the back. I had really, really um, pain in my back. It was awful, but with that cesarean, I didn't feel anything. I was just feeling panic, but panic was mental. It was not physical. Thank you to all the wonderful mamas that shared their amazing personal experience that they will never forget. We recorded this episode to remind everyone that sometimes not everything goes according to plan, and that's okay. We hope this episode sheds light on how many different ways birth or birthing experiences happen. For everyone listening out there, we'd love to hear your birth story. So please reach out to us on Instagram at alumuma, and that's A-L dot U-M-U-M-A. We can't wait to hear from you.